Coach Taku. Making anime your new life coach. Listeners, I am your omnipotent presence and host, Christina. <laughs> and I am here with the gorgeous, brilliant, talented co-host of mine, Mary. And folks, we are back. It's another relationship episode. And I'm super pumped because this time we are talking about one of my all-time favorite series that is so good and so beloved that it got a reboot last year. And I believe its second season just wrapped up. That's right. I'm talking about Fruits Basket. Fruba. All my Fruba fans out there. So for anyone listening who somehow hasn't heard of Fruits Basket, long story short, it follows the story of Toru Honda, who's a seemingly average high school student who discovers the secret of the Soma family, which is essentially that her classmates uh, are cursed by the signs of the Zodiac. And so when they are hugged by the opposite gender, they turn into the animal that they represent. And so what I love about the series is it's like the sweetest shoujo with a hint of fantasy. And it's such a juicy series to bite into when it comes to talking about relationship again. And so when I say again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to our Oran High School Host Club episode because it's really, really good. I know I should, like, it's my podcast. I'm supposed to say that, but the Oran episode is really, really good. So if you somehow missed it, listen to that one first and then tune into this one. Which, by the way, I want to give a huge shout out to our listener, Henna, or at Lava Rift on Instagram for recommending that we do a fully fledged Fruits Basket episode to dive into relationships again. Okie dokie. Mary, anything else you want to add? Let's get into it, Christina. Where do we, where do we start with this? And there are so many different types of relationships and... Before we actually get into the whole thing, I actually have a question for you. Which character would you like to hug? (laughs) Oh my God. We should start publishing video because I think my entire face just went red. So for anyone who somehow missed me talk about this, I'm a huge fan of the angry one loves the sunshine one trope. And so I would absolutely need to hug Kyosoma, our cursed little cat. With that being said, in my own marriage, I am the angry one and I nab the sunshine one. So I'd probably also hug Toru because she probably smells like possibility and hope. How about you, Mary? Because I'm the year of the rat, I I feel like I need to hug Yuki because it's only fair that I pay homage to my year. Give the rat some loving. Juicy, juicy. Well, speaking of loving, one, you know, Mary and I, believe it or not, we do plan these episodes a little bit. And so before we got on to record, we were saying, how cool would it be if we actually talked about the relationship patterns of these various characters? And so to get a little coach mode for a second, a relationship pattern is exactly what it sounds like. It's the assertion that all of us, knowingly or unknowingly, have created patterns for how it goes for us in relationship. 
And the reason why it's super important to create consciousness or like create awareness around this is because what you may be finding is that you can't get relationship to go the way that you want it to. And that could be romantic relationship. It can be friendships. It could even be work relationships. And so how fun to really distinguish what relationship patterns look like and how to become aware of them by going to this series that is built so uh, so foundationally on top of the relationships that go on in the series. So as Mary mentioned, we've got a whole cast of characters to go through. And if we somehow don't make it to yours, please let us know because I could cover 12 more episodes on Fruits Basket. I've been reading it since I was 12. Um, but yeah, Mary, who should we get started with? Well, let's start with our main characters that everyone's super familiar with. So Toru. So what I see for Toru is she picks relationships where she can be of service in some way or she can fix things in some way. Like she, her relationship pattern for me is something around like, how can I help and how can I fix it? Yeah, what I see is how it starts for Toru is she shows up as like the carefree airhead. Like she doesn't really know what she's doing. Oftentimes she might literally trip into the relationship, so to speak. And then once you're there with Toru, what happens is you realize like, yeah, she is a bit of an airhead, but she's so kind and so sweet and so loving. And so if you're a good person, that's wonderful. But if you're kind of a shitty person, what then happens to Toru is people take advantage of that kindness. And it's really easy to because she leaves herself vulnerable in a lot of situations. And I think where you see this relationship pattern play out in particular is, you know, at at a part in this season one reboot where it's time for her to go back home, like the construction project at her grandpa's has ended and she's supposed to go back. And you see the way that her other relatives shit talk her and frankly shit talk her deceased parents. And she doesn't really know how to deal with the conflict. And so if we're going to sum it up, Toru's relationship pattern is that she lures people in by being this sweet, kind, caring airhead. And then once they're in with her, she doesn't know how to stand up for herself or stand up for her values. So Mary, let's have a fun twist here. If we were going to name the characters that really break up Toru's typical pattern and relationship, who are the ones that you see doing it and how? Well, definitely like Yuki and Kyokun, because she comes into their home after um, she needed a place to stay. So she was staying actually in a tent outside of the Soma's property and there was a rain and that's how she connected to Yuki who brought her into the house. But what you see is that all three members of the Soma household in which she's staying actually relate to Toru as herself and not as someone to take advantage of or to take an opportunity from. And that's what actually starts to empower and break up some of that. Because when in that episode that you just mentioned, where the family's taking advantage of her after she goes back, she actually says, actually, I want to go home. I want to go back. And it's the first time that you actually see her standing up for what she wants and what she needs. And it, it was such a, it's like, I was like, oh, breakthrough moment. And then you see it, it becomes even better when Kyokun and Yuki actually show up to take her back. So that, that's what I would say to that. Yeah, it's, 
Yuki and Kyo really infuse her with the willingness to speak for what she actually wants. And I, I think the turning point for Toru is, and you see this even with her friends as well, it's like the, the more Toru really begins to see and realize how outspoken other people are willing to be for her, in service of her, the more willing she is to be outspoken for herself, into which she inevitably is even willing to be outspoken against, spoiler alert, but Akito, like she even stands up for herself against him, which is terrifying if you really think about the potential consequences of that. Yeah, can I just briefly mention how much I love her friends, especially the psychic one with the weird vibes, because I was like, everyone needs a friend like her in, on their corner. Who's <laughs> just going to have these vibes and just going to look at you. It's like, don't mess with my friend. But I think uh, what's awesome about Toru is just the people, the support that she actually does have around her and that she starts to create around herself that enables her to speak up and stand up for what she wants and to go after the things that she wants. But who else, Christina? So let's talk about Kyokun since we've been talking about him a lot. And I know that he's one of your faves. So tell me what you see with him. Ooh, yeah. So if I were to walk through Kyo's relationship pattern, I think the first thing that happens is he shows up and even though on the inside, he's secretly craving some validation. On the outside, you get this brash, argumentative, competitive hothead of a guy. And as you get in there with him, it all becomes like a competition or a need to prove himself. And so if you're someone who finds that hysterical, like Uo-chan, for example, you might actually become friends over it. But for a lot of other people, as a result, it pushes them away from Kyo. Like he's a very isolated character at the start of the series. So in other words, he has a relationship pattern where he, you know, comes off as a hothead and then keeps people away because he's unwilling to be anything other than a let me prove myself to you and get the F out of my way kind of guy. I think what I also see for him is that since he has this inner monster, it's like he doesn't, he yearns for connection and he yearns to be surrounded by people and friends, but he also is scared that they'll see him as he really is and will run away from him. So I think that keeps him with his hot-headedness where he just keeps people at bay. It's like, don't touch me. Don't even look at me. But inwardly, it's a whole different story. And I think that Toru actually starts to break this up for him in many ways. What do you think? Yeah, we should definitely talk about how Toru breaks up Kyo's relationship pattern. But before we do, I think in a lot of ways, the first person that really tries to is Kazuma, who for anyone who isn't too super familiar with the names of the series, that's his teacher. He's actually a part of the Soma family and his grandfather was the cat of the Zodiac. And so he knows exactly who and what Kyo is and what his fate will be. And it's Kazuma who sees this fiery hothead who's just trying to protect himself and gives him fatherly love, you know, brings him in, turns his anger into, you know, honed in training of a martial artist you know, helps him realize that he loves cooking, treats him with love and kindness. And so what you see is basically because Kazuma is uh, unwilling to back down from the bark, so to speak, or I guess perhaps the roar or the really mean meow and scratching, I think it, it starts to put a chip in the pattern for Kyo. But I think to your point, Mary, Toru then totally obliterates it. And how would you say she does that? 
Yeah, and I just want to, um, before I answer your question, Christine, I just want to give the listeners a little bit more. If they haven't seen, if you haven't seen the series, the cat is not really a part of this Chinese zodiac. He's um, he was invited, but he doesn't make it because the rat actually tricked him. So because he doesn't make it to the party, he gets cursed and he becomes this horrible creature that is supposed to smell really terrible. And he mean that there's nothing but monster here. And so everyone's been disgusted by Kyokun since he was a child because they know what he turns into. And so nobody actually gets close to him. And he's actually cursed to live a life of isolation. So then he's like, no one's ever going to love me. And to what Christina was saying, it's actually his teacher that actually starts to break this up a little for him by showing him, yeah, somebody does love you. Someone can care for you. But Toru actually steps in and it was actually in the season finale of season one um, where his teacher takes off the bracelet that's actually keeping the form at bay in front of Toru. And you see Toru just go into this total shock, like, what just happened? Who is this? And look, I don't know what I would do if I were faced in that situation, but she goes after him. In all her, in all her fright and the disgust, she still goes after him. And I think there was a part of her that wanted to run away and a part of her that was really honest and loves him. And the thing that I think was brilliant about that moment was that she didn't hide how scared she was. She's like, yes, I'm terrified. Yes, you know, this isn't cool, but I still love you and I'm still here. And let's go home together. Just so tasty, the sunshine one and the angry one together. Just I could sit here forever. That's it. I'm good. Mary, you're gonna you're gonna have to take the no, I'm totally kidding. If you couldn't tell, listen, like I said, I think I picked up Fruits Basket when I was 12 years old. And so to me, this was like the stuff that relationship goals were made out of. Like this was the juicy stuff. And if you didn't catch our Oron episode, which like I said, you should go back and listen to, I openly admitted that I had totally shipped Haruhi with Hikaru. And so I feel like Fruits Basket was my redemption, (laughs) so to speak. Um, But yeah, so let's see, we've got... Kyo in the mix, we've got Toru. So why don't we uh, visit our beloved rat boy, Yuki. Mary, I, I know you love Yuki. I know you're both Year of the Rat, so you resonate with him as a character. What would you sum up Yuki's relationship pattern as? Oh, Yuki, Yuki, Yuki. So Yuki is the prince. And I think that's also his allure. Like that's what you first are drawn to and attracted to. And that's your way in. You see this beautiful man who is brilliant and smart and gentle and kind. And you're like, wow, I want some of that. And you're really attracted to all the positive qualities that he shows. So the thing about Yuki is that he also, once you're in, you find that you can't really go all the way in with him. Like he always keeps you at bay. And I think part of that is just because of the responsibility he's felt for the Soma than for being a rat. And also, um, there's a disconnect for him. I think there's a nice relation for him that he just doesn't really know how to have friends and not let people in because no one can get too close anyway. He, he'll turn into a rat. So what's the point? And so I think that's where Yuki's pattern lies with his relationships. Yeah, absolutely. He, In other words, Yuki has just perfected this mask 
of being a prince. And he even gets to reap the reward of his mystery being part of the allure. Like no one really needs to know Yuki Soma because no one's good enough to know him. Like one of the most absurd parts of the series is there's actually a fan club in the school for like a Yuki, like the Prince Yuki Soma fan club. And the idea is that all the girls that are a part of it agree that they will never try to approach Yuki as a romantic interest, which is so, oh God, so funny. All those girls need coaching. Um, But bringing it back to Yuki, you know, we've been pointing to who are the characters that help break up each other's relationship patterns. And what I find really interesting is when you compare Yuki and Kyo's to each other, they actually exacerbate them because Kyo's whole thing is he's a hothead and then is inaccessible because you can't connect with him. Yuki's whole thing is he's perfect, but it's so poised and such a performance that you also can't connect with him. And so especially early on in the series, when you see these two characters try to connect with one another in the rival rivalry that they have that Mary pointed to, what you see is Kyo starts as a hothead. Yuki cool him, coolly blows him off. Kyo attacks him. Yuki coolly defeats him. And scene. And you actually see that for a lot of people, uh, relationship patterns don't play nicely. They actually help feed into what the pattern is intended to do or manipulate, which in both their cases is to actually leave them alone and not feeling satisfied or fulfilled. And so I think what makes at least in, in my opinion, it makes Toru really one of the first people to uh, put some cracks into the facade, so to speak, is Toru has a relationship pattern that doesn't mesh well with Yuki's because Toru's relationship pattern is that she's a sweet little airhead that doesn't really notice formalities. And so Yuki's super cool, super poised performance isn't alluring for her. And it's not because like she finds him beautiful. She finds him very charming, but her desire to reach out to him and and know who he truly is trumps his pattern of just being, you know, the perfect prince that can be whatever you want him to be. Yeah. And I think Christina, that Toru gets to see them all in their most true form. She lives with them. She's hugged them. She's seen them as rats and cats and dogs. And she still loves them. And I think having someone see you for who you really are, for who you are inside, even though you may not be that connected with that part of yourself or may fear it, and having someone love you all the same kind of starts to break up all these stories that you've had for yourself. And as actually, I think it inspired Yuki to want more. And to start thinking, well, what would it be like if I were surrounded by people who actually love me and who actually see me? You got to believe in the power of love. That's not the wrong series. If anyone has ever seen the dubs of all of the Sailor Moon movies, that's like the banger that plays. (laughs) All right. Anywho. So, all right. So we've got Yuki, we've got Kyo, we've got Toru, and we don't have much time left in this episode. So I think what would be really fun, Mary, is we if we did a bit of a lightning round, like if you just picked, of all the members we haven't spoken of yet, if one of them showed up at your, you know, at your next sample session and was like, Mary, I want to hire you to break up my pattern in relationship. 
Who would you want it to be and why? I think I'm going to have to go with Akito. And I'll t- uh, Akito is the god figure in, in the, in the, he represents, he, she represents the, the god in the anime. And I think what I find for them is that they're such a complex, cre- like their feelings are so complex. And the way that they relate to others is actually really hardcore. And I'd love to work on them on that because I think what happens with Akito is that they're so stuck in the Chinese Zodiac aspect of it without actually really living at all, without actually going outside and thinking, what does this life look like outside of being this God figure? What about you, Christina? Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, all of them. But if I could only pick one, I actually think I would pick the character who as a kid I hated and as the reboot and now as an adult I freaking love, which would be uh, Ayame. So Ayame is the snake and he also happens to be Yuki's older brother. And he's a <laughs> delusional showboater. Like he is larger than life eccentric. He's so bizarre. And I think... The reason I would want to coach him is because I just, I have a soft spot for supporting people that want to have breakthroughs in relationship with their families. And what you learn about Ayame is even though he's so flashy and so full of himself, one of his biggest points of insecurity is realizing that he can't relate to Yuki. And I think this is another example of relationship patterns that don't mesh up well. Because if Yuki's is to be the perfectly poised prince so as to be cold and not able to connect with, Ayame's is to be larger than life and flamboyant, so as to be so dramatic that there isn't actually any depth of conversation. And when those two things meet, sure enough, you have no vulnerability and no intimacy. So what I would love to work on with Ayame is like how to put down the performance and the drama to just be able to connect with his little brother and, and share with him that he wants to be a brother that's worth admiring and worth connecting with. I love that. And I think uh, what we'd love for you to look at is your own relationship patterns. Because the whole conversation is really about how we choose and how we bring people in and then what the stops are. And having the awareness of this, like having the awareness and how you choose a partner or how you are in relationships can actually help you make informed choices and actually help you communicate better with your partner. So take a look for yourself and see what you see as it relates to relationships. Yeah. And going off of that, what you might also notice is who are your relationship pattern busters and breakers? In other words, who are the people that even if, even if your pattern does, you know, has normally succeeded in leaving you feeling awkward, leaving you feeling alone, leaving you disconnected, leaving you not vulnerable, who are the people in your life that have broken through that? And I encourage you to identify them because likely however they broke through it is the next breakthrough for you. So let us know what you come up with and we'd love to hear about it. The other thing I'll say as we wrap up is if you couldn't tell, we love Fruits Basket and I almost regret not being able to get to all of the characters. So if you want us to revisit and do a part two of relationship patterns of the characters, let us know. Or if there's any other series that have just you know, are old school and they got reboots or, you know, are just OG in your heart and you really want us to cover. Like I know Cardcaptor Sakura had its reboot. Uh, I've had some requests for Fushigi Yugi in my inbox, you know, whatever it is, uh, feel free to shoot us an email or a DM because we'd love to create content that you want to listen to. 
But that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're listening to podcasts, and leave us some review on iTunes. We love to know what you love. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Coach Taku. If you liked this episode, please share it and consider subscribing so you never miss a new episode. Have an idea for an episode or show you'd love us to discuss? DM us on our Insta, Coach Taku Pod, C-O-H-C-H-T-A-C-U-P-O-D, or email us at CoachTakupod at gmail.com. Love your wonderful host. In that case, you can follow me, Christina, at HereXtinaRoar on Instagram. And you can follow Mary at Raven5130 on Instagram. Thanks so much. Catch you in the next one.